So I was thinking the other day that there are a lot of songs that mention the idea of heaven. Now, I'm not talking about religious necessarily songs, but songs across the board that, you know, we all heard on the radio that have heaven in them. Can you think of a few right now? Don't say them out loud yet. But I, I, I yeah, not, e- not even religious necessarily mentions of heaven. They, they, they show up, this concept shows up a lot. How, how about a few of these? See if you, you, you know these songs. Uh, Los Lobos had a song called How Far Is Heaven. Familiar with that? How far is heaven? Kind of cool. Again, I'm not sure on the theology, okay, on these songs. I'm just saying it's a pretty rich topic. How about Eric Clapton had kind of a more of a, a sad song, Tears in Heaven. Remember that song? Uh, Tears in Heaven. Um, you're singing them now. <laughs> uh, Brian Adams had the ultimate slow dance song back in the day called Heaven. That was the name of the song. Anybody remember that one? Anyway, I'm sure I slow danced to that song quite a bit back in the day. Uh, the Go-Go's had, I think it's the Go-Go's, Heaven is a Place on Earth. Remember that song? Ooh, heaven. Anybody? Oh, come on. Ah, man. Gen X, Unite. Okay, uh, how about, uh, well, there's a country song. Let's, let's go country. There's Holes in the Floor of Heaven. Who knows that? Know that song? Yeah. Again, I don't know about the theology on all this. I'm just saying that it's a rich topic. How about, uh, well, I'm, I, I almost, I'm afraid to mention this particular song. I'm pretty sure that in most uh, music stores, this is outlawed across the board. That you cannot play this particular early 70s British rock band song at all. Stairway to heaven, yeah, you knew it was coming. I thought about having a guitar up here and doing that, but again, I don't want to get kicked out of, our, of my own church here. Uh, uh, Bob Dylan, he had a big song. In fact, it's, it's his most covered song. Uh, you know, artists have done it, redone it. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door, which the lyrics are weird on that song. Have you ever read the lyrics? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, that was that one. Of course, there was the song that I think came out around 9-11 time frame, it was in the Christian market this time, by a little-known band at the time called Mercy Me. And the song was, I Can Only Imagine. Right? Remember that song? But it's, it's rich. This idea of, of the concept of heaven, it shows up in so many things, including in our, our favorite songs. I, mean, I think heaven sort of captures our imaginations even if some of our descriptions of it might be a bit misguided. I remember, as a kid, first learning the idea of what heaven is. And I, it always seemed to me that it was described as something up. You know? Maybe some of you had that same kind of growing... This is something up, which is, is not uncommon in even, like, ancient Near East. They thought of, like, you know, under here is bad, right? And then, like, the middle bit is where humans walk around and animals and such as and then the upper part is where you know the gods live or whatever the the site of the spiritual space or god's realm and and that that concept runs deep for for many of us but i remember thinking it's cool during the day to think god's up in the sky especially on a blue sky day it's bright and it's you know everything's nice but at night that broke down for me a little bit 
because you look up and it's dark, and you're like, well, they haven't shut the lights off. What's happening up there? That, that kind of began to, to start me on a journey of, I wonder if I've learned the wrong things about where God exists, where the realm of heaven is. Because then you start thinking of, of maybe some of you have this in your mind, you're, you're thinking about the clouds. And, and then maybe, you know, the porky little, little angels with, with little teeny wings sticking out, which doesn't really make sense for me, holding a little harp, you know? Maybe, maybe you, you think of that as, as heaven, and, and uh, is that right? Is, where does that come from? Are harps even mentioned anywhere? Well, you'll find out. Um, but, but maybe you have images of, of heaven that are similar to that, or, or maybe you've never really thought about what that's going to be like. What's, what's it going to be to be in God's presence? which is essentially what the idea of heaven is. You're in God's presence. You're near his throne room. What's that going to be like? Maybe it's the streets of gold idea, right? You heard that before, streets of gold and, uh, and angels, you know, being there with Jesus. Even I think about the people who we've lost and we get to be reunited with. What is that going to be like? What is heaven going to be like? Well, we're going to get a glimpse today of the throne room of God. We're going to get just a little glimpse today. So if you brought a Bible or a device, uh, I, I encourage you to find Revelation 4. We're, that's where we're going to be today. Uh, we're, we're in a Revelation series, so if you're brand new today, we'd love to have you stick with us. Revelation has been one of those books that have been confused. It's confused a lot of people for a long time. And we're trying to take a, just a verse-by-verse verse look at this book. And, and we said in week one that Revelation, the whole term Revelation or Apocalypse, means to unveil not to hide or to make it more mysterious. The idea was an unveiling. That's what the word means. And so what does God want, it to, what it want, what does he want us to know? And we talked about in the first century uh, that this book is grounded in the first century. And at that time, Christians, Christ followers, maybe it's a second generation now of the early church, and they are under persecution. And John's writing to these folks saying, I know you want to quit. I know you feel like this might not be worth it, Christians. I know, I know the temptation is high in Greek and Roman culture. I know all that. But hold on, because it's worth it. And that's been the overall theme right from the beginning in Revelation, this, this unveiling, if you will. Last week, Andrew did a great job of kind of walking us through uh, seven actual key churches that were in the first century and the different things they were struggling with, a lot of times having to do with compromise and persecution, and fearing their life. And once again, John's answer, John's answer to them and to us is, it's worth it. God gets the victory. And so that's what was last week. If you missed any of those, you can catch up on that. That won't be too bad. But let's, let's lean in today. I'm Pastor Ben. I'm glad you're here today. Uh, if this is your first Sunday with us, welcome. If you're online, we see you as well. We gather like this, like Christ followers all over the globe, on the first day of the week, that's Sunday. Uh, we're one big dysfunctional family of faith, and we gather like this because it was on a Sunday a couple thousand years ago that Jesus Christ of Nazareth was raised from the dead and changed human history forever. And so that's why we gather today. So let's uh, pause for a prayer. If you're okay with that, let me uh, indulge me there. I'll pray over us, 
And uh, let's open the scriptures together. Father, we come before you with uh, hearts ready to, 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 to listen to what you have to say. That our ears would be ready, our eyes would see what you want us to see, that our hearts would be moved in such a way that your Holy Spirit will speak through, through the, the, the message today, through the, the, your word, and that, uh, Father, we would be challenged and changed, and we'd be the people you're calling us to be in our world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're getting a glimpse of heaven here. I'm going to stand to read. If you want to stand with me, that's totally awesome. If not, you can, you could, you can uh, just have a seat there. We're going to be going through Revelation 4 and 5. It's going to take about three to four minutes. So let's just hear the word of God. After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice, which I heard speaking to me, like a trumpet said, come up here. And I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with gold crowns on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. In fact, just close your eyes for a bit. Do you mind if I uh, keep reading? Just close your eyes if you can and just try to picture this image of heaven. So from the throne room came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion. The second living creature like an ox. The third living creature with the face of a man. And the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God. To, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. And then I saw, in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth, was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. 
and between the throne and the four living creatures. And among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been, had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp. There's the harp, folks. <laughs> and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. Wow. You have heaven. And we even have praise coming right now from the mouth of... That's good. We get this glimpse of heaven. And it may be different than what we described before. Maybe it doesn't quite fit the picture that you had or these songs talk about. We get this picture. John is, is recording for us this glimpse into the, the heavenly space, the heavenly realm where God is seated on the throne. And we get descriptions of precious gems. And, and you get this main throne, right? And then you get 24 many thrones around the main throne. And there are 24 elders sitting in those many thrones, if you will. 24. That's another number we might wonder about. 24. Normally, in Israel's history, right, 12 was a big, big deal. Because you had the 12 tribes of Israel. That's a pretty big deal. And so why now is double the amount? And scholars and great commentaries you can read will be split on what does the 24 mean? Does that mean not just all of Israel, but all of everybody else too? The complete number is now gathered at the throne. That's kind of a cool way to think of it. But the 24 elders of them, we have some more sevens. Sevens are popping up again. Seven being a number of completion. We have these showing up here. And lots of brightness. Right? Do you get that? Just, it seems bright. The, these things are, these precious gems are going, uh, just, just showing their, their beauty. And, and, uh, and you have like earthly stuff like thunder and loud peelings of thunder. You have uh, all of that happening. And then, and then the sea of glass. What's that all about? This crystal, this beautiful reflecting nature of it. Uh, just, you get the sense of majesty. You get the sense of you are now in the presence of the Holy One. 
And it is brilliant. And it's amazing. And you have these elders wearing the bright clothes and they got a golden crown and sometimes they're throwing those crowns before the main throne. You get the sense of awe and wonder and worship all happening here. And then, of course, we get these beasts. We get four beasts. And they have an interesting description. Like, what's with all the eyes? Right? Eyes around and the back and the front, like all around. And, and uh, well, that's probably just a symbol of the idea that God, the God of the universe, sees everything. He sees your good and your bad. And guess what? Loves you anyway. It's a pretty good deal. He sees everything. In fact, the scriptures tell us that in lots of different ways. Like, he knows how many hairs are on your head, even if you have a bald head. He knows how many hairs are on you, on your person. He knows all of it, and he cares. In fact, the scriptures tell us that every fear, every anxiety, we can lay before him because he cares. It would be one thing if he was just a majestic God far off, and we just kind of look at him from a distance and say, woe is us. But he actually gets close and wants to, in fact... That, that description of those golden bowls, and what do they contain? They're like incense, the prayer of the saints. Every prayer that you have prayed is so precious to God. He's collecting them. He's got a prayer collection from you, and he loves it. He likes to read them often. Think of it that way. But the golden bowls, they take precedent with right there at the throne room, every prayer you've prayed, even those ones you felt like just hit the ceiling and bounced back, he collects them because he cares. That's a powerful image for us. See, in John's vision, we get these beasts, right? And it's, it's one way to symbolize just this majesty that he's describing for us. You get this sense of the attributes of God. Not only can he see everything, but you get this sort of animal-like description of lots of his attributes, and, and let's look at that first creature. The first creature was like a lion, right? So that symbolizes power. You know, a lion. And then the next one, the ox. Well, what does that symbolize, you think? Uh, maybe, maybe the idea of, 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 of faithfulness. An old ox there plowing out, you know, old faithful, you know. There's faithfulness there. Uh, then there's, there's one of them has an image of a human. And, and that, that maybe is the sign of intelligence. Here's the, the image of God on this creature. And then you have the sovereignty represented by the eagle in flight. Did you notice that? It wasn't an eagle just standing there. It's an eagle in flight. I found that pretty cool. The text is amazing when you just let it speak. The text says all these things. Amazing. And we get, we get this playlist, this heavenly playlist of these phrases, worthy is the lamb, and they say it over and over again, and pretty soon they're, they're shouting it loudly, so much so the entire planet is getting involved in this worship gathering. And sometimes it's said, and sometimes it's sung, you get this mighty, mighty playlist throughout. Chapter 5, we get to this scroll. What about the scroll? It's written inside and out, probably, and that was common back in the day because they didn't have a lot of like printing presses and stuff like that, they didn't have them. And so uh, they had to write things. Sometimes they would use the back of the paper. Sometimes you still do that, <laughs> right in the back of that receipt. We, we do that today. They did that then. But so, so much good stuff. It's contained in this scroll, but it's got seven seals. 
And John, our recorder, he's weeping. Why is he weeping all of a sudden? Nobody, nobody's worthy to open up the scroll. Nobody's worthy to break the seals, and he's crying about that. And then one of the elders taps him on the shoulder and says, no, 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 no. There is one. The Lion of Judah. The Lamb that was slain. He's worthy to open that. And so we, we have someone who can open it. And you have this picture of, 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 of the lamb and, and these bowls of incense containing the prayers of all God's people. Now, you may not think that you're a saint, but look, if you said yes to Jesus, he's covered your sins, past, present, and future. He's called you a saint. And every prayer you pray is precious to him. Did you notice the rainbow? Now, when we see rainbows, we're thinking like a half rainbow. That's all we usually see, right? Well, the, the rainbow described there in chapter 4, this rainbow goes around the throne. It's the first complete rainbow. Oh, did you catch that? And it appears like emerald, this idea that the, the, the glistening of these precious gems. But all in the middle of that, you have these golden bowls of incense that are the prayers of God's people. God hears us and he cares. There's something powerful to that. These folks are singing loudly. Now, maybe some of you feel like, you know, the music here on Sunday morning needs to be louder, quieter. I'm not sure what your opinion is. Everybody's got an opinion. But look, praise is loud. And here, you got praise enough where everything's praising. The creatures are praising God. I don't even know what a fish sounds like praising God, but somehow, under the water, what's happening right here? It's happening. The whole world. Is, is celebrating. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy. They say it loudly, even under the oceans. That's crazy. And then, I like the mic drop at the end. And then what do the elders do? They give a big old amen. You know what that word means? Just so be it. Amen, mic drop. End of the glimpse of heaven. Now, I did point out that there was a harp in there, Okay? But also, did you notice that the elders are holding the harps? It doesn't say they played them. So I don't know what to do with that. But, so maybe not all of our images of heaven are totally, completely without merit, but, uh, but I don't think the, the image of the, kind of the babies and the diapers and the wings, I don't think that's really something. But listen, let me just say this today. If you, if you consider yourself a Christ follower, if you consider yourself a Christian. That is, uh, you trust him as your Lord and Savior. You said yes to him. You, you've repented of your sins. Um, you, know, you, you put your life in his hands. You've been baptized. You're, you're living as an obedient follower of Jesus. If that is you today, you need to hear this. Hear this well. That by faith in Christ, you are now a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And you are an heir you are a son and daughter of the king, and you have complete access. No mediator needed. No check-in with the front desk person. You are given access to the king. That's pretty awesome. You have privileges. As a Christ follower, you have privileges. This glimpse of the heavenly throne. This is part of, 
part of our inheritance. We, we are going to have this with the Lord. And, and that, that starts both now and not yet. It's, it started already. Jesus inaugurated the start of the kingdom. He told Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. You are now part of a kingdom that's not of this world, an eternal kingdom that will never fade. That is yours. You have privileges. And this is true now and for eternity. Why wouldn't each of us take that opportunity every time we get? Why don't we do that? We have privileges. Are you using yours? Are you using your privileges? Let me read to you a scripture from Hebrews chapter 4. Maybe you've never read this before, but I hope this will be something that will encourage you. Let us, that is Christ's followers, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let me say that again. You may, may be new to you, but this is important. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You and I have throne room privileges. Use them. Use them. You're like, okay, that sounds great. How? How do, how do we use those privileges? Great question. And the answer is prayer. Prayer. Praying. Praying without ceasing. Give me God in your heart and your mind all the time opening every moment you can to the presence of the Lord, making space in your room for God. Sometimes I hear Christians say to each other, well, the least I can do is pray for you. I think we've got that wrong. I think the best thing that we can do is pray for each other. We are saints. We are heirs. We are kingdom priests. Priests. That's a big deal. We're priests. That means we get to offer prayers up for our neighbors, our friends. We have throne room access. We don't have to wait for someone to usher us into the presence of the king. We can walk right in and sit on his lap and tell him what's what. That's pretty cool. We can walk right in. Say, come on in, you're a child, you're an heir, you're, you're a son and daughter of the king, come on in. Tell me what's on your mind. He cares about everything we care about, every anxiety, every fear, every pain. He wants us to bring it to him. This is a relationship that's unbelievable. We have throne... You, are you hearing that yet? You have throne room privileges. Use them. Pray this week. And just think about when your eyes were closed while I was reading Revelation. You are ushered in to all that brilliance. But most important, you're ushered into the king who hears your prayers and values them. So much, though, he's going to collect them in little golden bowls. Probably big golden bowls. You have throne room. Let me just say that again. You have throne room privileges. Use them. Imagine all of us in this room this week. And online, we see you too. Hello. But all of us together using those privileges this week. This week, we're going to pray. We're going to ask God for our neighbor. We're going to, we're going to pray for our friend. We're going, to, we're going to lift up that coworker. 
We're going to pray. We're actually going to use those privileges and walk right to the Father, the throne room. We have access. In Christ, we have access. Imagine us using those privileges. Look, we have so much in Christ, so many privileges, that being the biggest one. But we're told an abundant life in Christ. We're told we have hope. We're, we're told we have freedom. We have new heavens and new earth coming. We have a rest, an eternal rest. All of that is coming, but none is more precious than the privilege of the throne room. We can walk right up. He won't turn us away. That is so awesome. You have throne room privileges. I want you to use them. Look, we're in a season of Lent, and you may not know how Lent works. In the liturgical calendar, traditionally, Christ followers have taken the time leading up to Easter to pull back, maybe to fast from some things. That is, you know, saying no to different things that maybe you like and enjoy. It's a time of, of reflection, um, repentance, all of that. And, and, and some of you are participating in that. And if you're not, that's okay. But maybe if you hadn't determined how you were going to prepare your heart for Easter, I found a way. You're welcome. Use your throne room privileges. Use your privileges. Use them. You have access to the king. Maybe your lead up to Easter this year is going to be more and more prayer. You're just going to add more to whatever you're already doing and just open the channel up. Talk to God. Scream at him sometimes if you have to, if you're mad. Cry with him. Laugh with him. I'm telling you, he's inviting you in to get right up on his knees. Say, tell me about it. You have throne room privileges, people. Are we going to use them? Let's use them this week. And someday we'll see that new heavens and new earth and that new creation. But right now, we have access to the Father. Look, the gospel is the announcement of a new kingdom. That's what gospel means. Gospel actually means a new kingdom has been announced and a new king is on the throne. Jesus said, I'm bringing a kingdom, but it's not of this world. That's what he told Pilate. It's a kingdom that will never end. It's eternal, and it's not dictated by the whims of empire or human government or human armies. It's a kingdom that was won by the Lion of Judah, who was strong as a lion, but willingly laid down his life like a lamb. And when he was raised to dead, that, 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 when he was raised from the dead, that inaugurated the new kingdom. And he's offering an invitation. The gospel is basically an invitation to be part of that new kingdom. His blood covered the sins of humanity, past, present, and future, and you are offered hope and freedom. All of the, all of the privileges of the kingdom are offered to you. So maybe many of you have said yes already to Jesus, but if you haven't, I encourage you to say yes today, to, to allow him to, to give you that access to everything, all the privileges. You are an heir, a child of the king. You can march right into the throne room. That glimpse that we just got, you can march right in and tell him what's what. Help, ask his help. Cry on him. What do you got to do? You have access to everything. You have throne room privileges. Use them. And if you've never said yes to those privileges and yes to the king, do that today. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your love and faithfulness. We're thankful for a kingdom, uh, both now and not yet. Father, I'm thankful that each of us in this room have heard from you. Open our ears and our hearts to what you might have us do in, in, in times this week of prayer where we get access to all that you are. Lord, I pray that each of us would take that opportunity 
to access your throne with confidence and boldness and great humility, knowing that you can do immeasurably more than any of us could ask or imagine according to your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.